Hello and welcome to the Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype, right to the heart of the big issues of the day. This week, a little later than in previous years, we're delving into the UBS Global Wealth Management CIO's recently minted Year Ahead report, which provides the bank's house view on the coming 12 months, and this year sets out what the report's authors describe as the forthcoming Year of Inflections. Well, to dig a little deeper into the report, its outlook, and some of the key questions for the next year, but also for the decade ahead, we are once again hugely fortunate to be joined by Kieran Ganesh, not just another of our regular chroniclers of the Times here on the show, but also the editor-in-chief of the report. Kieran, great to have you with us as ever. And given the topic, I feel it's just about OK to still say a Happy New Year to you. Um, first things first, remind us about the, the scope of this piece of work each year. What's the agenda for you and your colleagues at the outset? Yeah, thanks, Tom. And thanks for having me and Happy New Year to you as well. Um, I mean, I think when we're looking at the, the year ahead, of course, we're trying to identify what is going to be the economic outlook for 2023 and then also what's that going to mean for markets whether that's equity markets bond markets or currencies and then translating that into well what specifically should investors be doing now at the start of 2023 to prepare their portfolios for the year ahead um, but also for the longer term. Um, well, let's talk then a little bit about the contents of the year ahead um, and the, the kind of the subhead this year is year of inflections. Um, so what's that all about, Kieran? Yes, well, we've called it the year of inflections because if we take a look back at 2022, then we had a number of really important economic drivers that had a very negative impact on financial markets, whether that was the consistently high level of inflation or rising interest rates or falling growth expectations. And it's going to be what happens with each of those variables in 2023 that's going to be really key for shaping the outlook. So we've called it a year of inflections because we are expecting to see inflation falling growth troughing and interest rates peaking at some point during the year. And the timing and the magnitude of those turning points is going to be really key in shaping the outlook for uh, markets this year. I mean, overall, we're looking for a more challenging environment for markets in the first half of the year and a more constructive environment coming through in the second half of the year. So again, a potential inflection point for markets coming through in 2023. Well, Kieran, we'll talk a bit more about 2023 in a second, but actually, should we take this opportunity to look at the year that's gone? What were some of the things that you and your colleagues got got right and got wrong if we look at the 2022 edition? Overall, um, what was surprising was how high and how persistent inflation proved. Um, Part of that was driven by, of course, the big surprise of of Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the effect that that had on commodity prices. And then that had various knock-on impacts um, across financial markets because uh, commodity prices moved up, inflation proved more persistent, and that meant that central banks who had believed that inflation was going to be transitory then started to increase interest rates much more aggressively than expected. And that had negative impacts on equity and bond markets and of course, higher interest rates had a negative impact on growth expectations. So, you know, this is really the, the big surprise for 2023, all stemming from that higher than expected inflation. Uh, I think some of what we had you know, got right for 
2022 was that uh, technology stocks would face some pressure, um, partly due to those higher interest rate expectations. Um, we also thought that commodity prices were underpriced going into the year because of the recovery in demand that we were seeing uh, as we were coming out of COVID. Um, we also expected to see the US dollar strengthening, which it did you know, quite substantially. So you know, although we had this big surprise on the inflation and interest rate front, you know, there were opportunities for investors to continue to make money in 2022 uh, with those positions in commodities and the dollar in particular. Yeah, well, then let's uh, look at 23. And the the report, of course, sets out some some of the key questions and it, it delves in a bit more detail. And that's looking at things like what could derail uh, market inflection points, talking about central banks, you've mentioned rates already. Um, and looking big picture, you know, looking at growth, talking about reacceleration, potentially, just um, talk us through here in a couple of the things to which, you know, which kind of have preoccupied you and your colleagues as you put the piece together. Yeah, well, I think the the biggest one was, you know, when is inflation going to turn and how quickly is it going to fall? Um, I think we, we've got some confidence that inflation has now peaked in the US and it probably peaked towards the end of last year um, and is in the process of peaking in Europe. And that should be a positive for markets because falling inflation is obviously a good thing for consumers. It's also a good thing when we're thinking about growth projections and when we're thinking about what might happen with interest rates. Um, how quickly it falls, I think, is one of the big questions for 2023. Um, we think that it is not going to quite get back down to those 2% levels until the very end of the year, um, but there should be some sort of confidence that that will come through by the time we get through to the second half. Um, then that inflation outlook feeds through, of course, into what we think is going to happen with interest rates. And we think it's likely that in the first half of this year, we're likely to see a peak in interest rates. So uh, the Fed likely to look at pausing their interest rate increases in the first quarter. Um, the European Central Bank and the Bank of England perhaps slightly later, but in the second quarter also looking at pausing their interest rate increases. Um, and again, that should make for a more constructive environment for markets in the second half because higher interest rates, of course, all else equal are not going to be good for financial markets. Uh, and then growth is really the third the third factor and that we've been you know, monitoring and thinking about for for 2023 um, broadly we're looking for a picture of deceleration in the first half and acceleration in the second half um, China's reopening is constructive for the growth environment they've reopened much quicker than we had expected and that should be positive for global growth um, but nonetheless, we are going to see a consumer slowdown continuing in both the US and in Europe in the first half of the year. Of course, consumers are having to draw down their savings to combat a higher inflation, given that inflation is much higher than wage growth at the moment. And by the second half of the year, that should be better. But in the near term, uh, we'd expect to see that consumer slowdown in the US and Europe leading to slower growth. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess, Kieran, the kind of logical next uh, area to look at is what all this means for investors. And again, instructively, the year ahead 23 piece um, makes some suggestions for uh, investing sagely in the 12 months to come. Um, covering off some things we've talked about before, looking for uncorrelated returns is in there, uh, defensives. Maybe just uh, pick out a couple of details here that you think are most interesting. Yeah, sure. So I, th I think we can look through some of the some of the asset classes, and, and generally we're advocating taking a more defensive tilt across all of the asset classes as we start the year because of this environment of still elevated inflation, rising interest rates, and slowing growth. So within equities, we're looking towards defensives and value. So some of the more defensively oriented parts of the equity market, things like consumer staples, so things that 
consumer products that consumers are going to have to buy anyway, regardless of their economic situation. Um, and value stocks, we think, are going to continue to outperform. They tend to do quite well when inflation is high. So things like the energy sector um, is a good example of that. Um, then in fixed income, um, we're looking for, again, the more defensive parts of the market. Um, but those do offer decent yields at the moment. So things like high-grade bonds and investment-grade bonds, you know, you are getting yields in the sort of 4 to 5% range uh, in US dollars and British pounds, as an example. And we think those are quite attractive, uh, given that they can also help diversify some of that equity exposure. Um, and then, of course, it is important to make sure that uh, you're seeking uncorrelated exposure as well in alternatives and asset classes like hedge funds. Um, 2022 showed that you can get these situations where both equities and bond markets are falling together. That typically doesn't happen, but it definitely happened in 2022. Um, so having some uncorrelated exposure in there uh, in the hedge fund space can help diversify portfolios. And, and that worked quite well uh, for those investors that had those, those positions in 2022. So you know, really thinking about being a bit more defensive across the asset classes while we navigate this more uncertain environment. And then also thinking about uncorrelated exposures um, we think are important for 2023. Um, now, what I always enjoy about this uh, year ahead piece, uh, Kieran, is, it, well, in a sense, the year ahead's a bit of a misnomer because it also looks at a longer term time horizon, you know, talking about the decade ahead and, and some themes to, to watch for there. In terms of that longer term um, outlook and some of the big trends that can inform uh, smart decision making, um, remind us some of those. And like we should say, of course, these are things that you and I have kicked around on this program probably a number of times before this uh, era of security idea, which is always interesting. Um, but give us a little bit of a flavour of that, that longer term outlook, maybe. Yeah, and I think that's that's really been something that's emerged over the course of the past uh, two to three years is this idea of an era of security, as we call it. And what we're getting at is that you know, if you think to the early 2000s and maybe even the early part of the 2010s, you know, we were in the era of globalization and companies and governments were very much focused on utilizing globalization to try and improve efficiencies and supply chains and try and secure goods at the lowest possible price and produce things in the most efficient way. Uh, and I think what we've seen in the past few years, starting with the increased tensions between the US and China, and then of course exacerbated by the situation now with Russia, is that companies and governments are thinking a lot more about the security and the robustness of their supply chains rather than necessarily the efficiency. So that's going to have a number of different implications. If we think about energy markets, for example, you know, securing energy at the lowest possible price is different from securing energy in the most robust way. So we're going to see this shift in terms of energy supply away from perhaps importing oil and gas from Russia and towards importing from friendlier nations to uh, to the, uh, the countries in Europe and the countries in, in the US. So importing from areas like Qatar, and Australia and the US. So that's going to have big implications in terms of things like LNG facilities. We're also going to see more investments in renewable energy because, of course, that can be produced more domestically. Um, then we can think about food production as well. There's been big disruptions in agricultural markets as a result of the war uh, in Ukraine. And so we think that companies that are looking at ways to boost agricultural yields or boost domestic food production, you know, they're also going to benefit from this era of security uh, trend. Uh, and then, of course, expand into technology as well. I think uh, cybersecurity is, of course, becoming an increasing focus as the world becomes more digitalized and as cyber warfare becomes a you know more prominent part um, of conflict between countries. And um, so, again, companies that are helping 
businesses and governments manage their cybersecurity risks, we think are also going to benefit from this trend. So this, this broad era of security theme, we think, is going to have a number of implications for economies and markets over the course of the next decade. But there are also a number of themes that investors can position in um, that should benefit from that trend as well. Um, well, well, Kieran, just finally, and I know this is perhaps a theme that we might come back to in the in the weeks and indeed months ahead, is this idea of uh, of the longer term. We talked there a little bit about the snapshot from the year ahead, but it is always interesting, isn't it, to keep an eye on that longer term horizon in a number of different regards. Yes, and, and for the longer term, often what's, what's bad news in the near term can be good news for, for longer term focused investors. Um, and actually, we think that the you know, potential returns for long term diversified investors have improved over the course of 2022. Um, of course, we've seen valuations and equity markets come down and lower valuations are typically consistent with stronger long term returns for equity markets. And we've seen a big improvement in the yields available on fixed income. Uh, and that should mean that after many, many years in which it was very difficult to generate much return from fixed income, we now should be in an environment where uh, investors can earn some returns for fixed income. So overall, although 2022 was quite painful for diversified investors, it should mean that people putting fresh cash to work today should experience stronger long-term returns uh, from those diversified portfolios than they have uh, in the recent past. Kieran Ganesh. And that brings us to the end of this edition of The Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance every week here on Monocle 24. You can listen again and explore more at monocle.com. That's where you can join the club by subscribing to Monocle magazine. You can also follow this programme wherever you get your podcasts. Meantime, why not discover more and find out how UBS can help you? Head to ubs.com and while you're there, search Year Ahead to find out more about the 2023 report. This is The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. I'm Tom Edwards. Thanks for listening.